0: Now we're doing the test. While you're doing the test, you're taking notes on how the athlete reacts, how the athlete interacts with you, how they engage, how they deal with stress. Do they make a lot of excuses? Do they tell you why things are happening, or do they take in all of your cues really well, or do they listen to you, but then sort of just try and do it as hard as possible without taking those cues. That's gonna feed into, after we're doing the testing, while we're do- while we're doing the testing, that's gonna feed into that athlete reactive analysis. Imagine that you have a gym, And in the gym, no one's training. You're trying to get people to come in and work out with you. You're trying to get people to come in and actually lift and train with you just so that you can, one, pay your bills, two, have fun and develop these freak athletes. And imagine you're doing that all by yourself. Okay, so first of all, I'm sitting here all by myself because Earl was a little worried about some inclement inclement weather here in Pennsylvania. It's starting to snow tonight, so he could not join us two-time world champion co-author of the year. Now, a three-time co-author of the year as we are about to release or in the process of releasing Garage Strength Program Design. But I wanted to paint that really simple picture is that um, going back to 2008, I had just come back from training for the uh, Olympic trials with Dr. Anatoly Bunderchuk and Uh, my parents were like, look, you gotta, you gotta try and figure out what you want to do with your life. And I knew that I, at this point wanted to, to start garage strength. And so they let me use their garage and I couldn't get anybody to come really and train with us. Um, it came down to Jason Kuhn, who was our video editor, uh, Cody white, and then, uh, my high school throws coach. And so what ends up transpiring over those, you know, the last 12, 15 years now is that, um, basically breaking down when a kid would come through the door, you know, Cody White was a wrestler coming through the door and saying, all right, what sport is this athlete training for? What phase of the year is this individual in? Um, What strength characteristics does that person need to train uh, towards for their specific sport? And then how can we piece that all together? Um, Understanding what type of individual that athlete is. And then, putting that puzzle together to actually create an elaborate plan to in Cody's case get him to qualify for states for wrestling in Jason's case to get him to win a state title for for throwing in my throws coach case get her to lose 100 pounds right so it's like how did that all work or how how can you actually do that and so before we dive deep into this I want to inform all of you that this podcast, the Masters of Sport podcast, is sponsored by Peak Strength. Peak Strength is like having garage strength inside of your pocket. You can head over to peakstrength.app and download Peak Strength today where you can select the specific sport that you're going to be training for. You can select the specific equipment and the time of year that you need to peak all the equipment that you have at your disposal, and the program will be built specifically around your needs so that you can conquer and accomplish all of your goals that you want to in the world of sports performance. This podcast is also sponsored by Garage Strength Equipment. Head over to garagestrength.com and pick up some of our single-leg rollers today so that you can run as quickly as some of our freak athletes here at Garage Strength, including Nick Singleton. Okay, so I wanted to get into garage strength program design. And so if you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm actually holding up the book here. Okay. And one of the big factors is I just, I absolutely, I know this is something that we put together and this is what's cool is this is my 11th book. You know, I have written books on buys and tries, which, uh, this book is absolutely awesome. and tries one and two buys and tries two is freaking killer. Uh, but, you know, we just did a bad job marketing that uh, sports performance Bible, which came out last year and really goes deep, deep, deep into all the stuff around exercise types. And we're going to touch on that. Olympic weightlifting and sports performance uh, is another great one where you it's all about the weightlifting variations that we use for sports training, you know, sports performance and then comprehending parabolic periodization. So this is our weightlifting specific book, but it also goes into technique and things like that. Uh, Now, getting back to Garage Strength Program Design, this is how the book's laid out. And what I love about it, it's like a simple handbook, but I want to help you guys with that scenario that I pitched in the beginning. Okay, so if you could take a kid walks in the door and tells you they want to become a state champion or they want to become an All-American, they want to become a national champion, they want to become... Um, you know, go to the Olympics or dude, they just want to go from playing JV football to starting or they want to go from playing JV soccer to to making that varsity team. The first thing that we have to do as strength coaches is, is break down um, what is the sports, the sport identification. And so inside the book, you'll, you'll be able to see this is what we do is we break that down into court sports um, and court sports or or you know, some, a little bit of, uh, like handheld sports is, essentially. So something where, uh, you're, you're using like a racket, right? Um, actually, I just want to confirm this cause I want to look in here because we even go into things like, uh, open skilled and, and, uh, and closed skilled. So, so let's take a step back. Cause I did a bad job there pitching this. If we look at immediately look at, Really, in the case of Cody, actually going back to my beginning, right, Cody White was a wrestler. Wrestling is an open-skilled sport. So if you think about open-skilled, is going to be sort of chaos coordination. There's all this crazy stuff ha- happening. Joint angles are being hit at different positions. Uh, you have to recruit fast. You have to recruit slowly. You have to have really good isometric actions, and things are just happening in an unpredictable manner, okay? So that's the biggest thing is that muscular actions are occurring in an unpredictable ma- unpredictable manner at unpredictable speeds. That's chaos coordination. That specifically is open-skilled. Okay, closed-skilled, it's predictable. Okay, so closed-skilled would be throwing. You're throwing the discus the same way every single time. Um, even running 100 meters. Yes, you're inside of a track. There's going to be wind variables, but you know what you have to do every single time. Uh, even swimming, even though there is water that can be moving and stuff like that it's still a closed skilled sport so that's the first step are they training open skilled are they training closed skilled then we get into the sport identifications okay are they in a field strength sport so like uh you know field strength would be rugby football um lacrosse ice hockey even though it's field strength uh combat are they in a combat sport so wrestling mma uh jujitsu judo are they in strength and power? That's where we're going to start to talk about uh, throwers, but also goalies for soccer. So goalies for soccer should be trained like strength and power. Okay, then we're going to get into jumps. So is it basketball, volleyball, um, you know, pole vault, something like that? And then you get into court and handheld. That's what we were talking about earlier. So that'd be baseball, tennis, uh, javelin, quarterbacks, and then speed and then endurance. Okay, so the big thing there is breaking down what are there what are their specific sports and this. And so is it open skilled? Is it closed skilled? And then what are the specific uh, sports uh, umbrellas that we're going to be training under? And then now you can start to lump the individual into, okay, it's an open skilled sport. They're going to be in field sports. Okay. Or they're going to be in, you know, handheld, whatever. You can start to figure out what type of athlete that you're dealing with then you start to look at strength characteristics okay so it's crazy because I have my own book and I really like the fact that in my own book I'm already taking um, I'm already highlighting a lot of different pieces uh, and and just going through it because it it's like it's sort of exciting for me to see my thoughts cohesively put on paper I just wanted to share that because I'm looking at this right now um, but then we're gonna look at specific types of strength characteristics for those sports and so we like to break that down into blast impulse sustained impulse power 15 plus power endurance classical endurance okay so blast impulse would be like every single time that you're running boom 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 every time that your foot is making contact with the ground that's going to be blast impulse, a large amount of force in an instantaneous time frame, very, very short time frame. It's extraordinarily explosive. Another thought process could be that first step coming off the line as a lineman. Uh, the first step, you know, if you're on a basketball court, jumping as quickly as possible to get a rebound. That's blast impulse. Now, sustained impulse might look like that first step, but then making contact with an offensive lineman and making contact with them for two to three to four or five seconds. Okay, you're in, a, you're in a, a grappling, you're in a scramble in wrestling, or you're in a long flurry in MMA, or a long sequence in judo, that's gonna be sustained impulse. So putting out a very large amount of force over five to 15 seconds. Okay, so blast impulse is instantaneous, sustained would be five to 15 seconds traditionally this is going to be thought of as like the alactic energy system okay then we got power 15 plus okay that'd be 15 to 60 seconds okay so you're producing power but you're doing that for longer than 15 seconds it's going to be the anaerobic system uh, anaerobic glycolysis so this is sort of like that mid-range you know traditionally thinking or speaking and then we're going to have classical endurance or power endurance first which would be one to three minutes so power endurance would be Something that we really have to train if we're training fighters, if we're training combat athletes, if we're training field sports, uh, so that they can put out a large amount of power late in the fourth quarter or in the third period or in the second half. Uh, And then that's going to take us into classical endurance, which would be like training uh, marathoners or cross-country runners, anything that's got to be done for over three minutes of time without a break. The difference with power endurance is if you're training football players or field hockey players with power endurance, which is that one to three minute time frame, there's still breaks in action. So it's not classical endurance per se. Okay, so it's blast impulse, sustained impulse, power 15 plus, which is where we're going to start to transition to anaerobic glycolysis. And then the aerobic capacity is where we're going to be working with power endurance and classical endurance. Okay, so that's how we look at the, the durational characteristics that sort of build up over time uh, in, in this system. Then we're going to start to break down general characteristics. Do they have transient speed? Are these athletes explosive and, and quick? Uh, transient speed being a little different from running a 40. So running a 40 or running 100 meters, it's very clear that person is fast. Transient speed might be watching Kobe Bryant cross somebody over. Okay, it's a little bit different movement, but it's clearly a high level of speed. Okay, then we have max velocity, which is more classic sprinting. Then we have absolute strength. So that's going to be how much force can you put out in a in a, in a period of time. Okay, so that's going to paint the underlying themes that we have to be considering. Okay, and so that's going to lead us into, and I'm still sort of just looking at all this stuff uh, like, uh, enjoying the fact that I have just taken an absolute absurd amount of, um, I've just gone through the book and, and I've really tried to spend a lot of time digesting my mind back into it. Cause I, after we put all this together, you try to like take a little breather so you don't get burned out, but all right, bear with me. Cause I think this is really going to be like a, a, a good lesson on helping you guys become better coaches. Okay. Now you take that information and then you can test the individual and you can test the person sort of like that first day. Okay. So they can come in, you can test their Twitch type. You can take them through jumping tests. You can test them if they're more advanced in, let's say uh, a five rep back squat. Um, You can watch them do dumbbell benches. You can even, if you want to see what's their endurance like or what's their mindset like, you can watch them do an assault bike test for two minutes, okay? And they have to hold that RPMs at a certain level. So that's where now we're we're doing the test. While you're doing the test, you're taking notes on how the athlete reacts, how the athlete interacts with you, how they engage, how they deal with stress. Do they make a lot of excuses? Do they tell you why things are happening uh, or do they take in all of your all of your cues really well or do they do they listen to you but then sort of just try and do it as hard as possible without taking those cues that's going to feed into after we're doing the testing while we're do, while we're doing the testing that's going to feed into that athlete reactive analysis so now if we go back to the beginning okay talking back about the wrestler or the shot putter or the football player right the biggest things that we're looking at is they walk in the door. What do they you know? What do they tell you? What, are they, what do they want to become? Take note of that interaction. Then you have to identify the sport that they're in and that sport umbrella. Are they in a combat sport? Are they in a field sport? Are they in a power sport? Are they in an endurance sport? Are they in weightlifting? Then you take that and you look at the sport and the sport quality. Blast impulse has to be trained, or does this have to be trained more, or does Power 15 Plus have to be trained more, or does, uh, do we need to train more of power endurance and power 15 plus or power endurance and blast impulse? Then we're going to go through the testing to see where the individual is. Where are they at while they're doing those specific tests? We're trying to lump them into specific uh, buckets as far as, you know, what type of athlete they are. You know, are they a type one? So are they more Zen based? Are they type two, which is the social athlete, or are they type three, where they're more of like the exuberant, over-the-top, loud individuals, okay? So that's going to help you with your periodization and your programming. Now, you look at that, you take all that information, and let's say, you know, and I'm looking at page 33 here in the book, where we have a full year, periodization phases by sports season. So what we did here is I took, okay, fall, winter, spring, summer. I took those seasons. And then if if you have somebody who plays a fall sport, now when you play a fall sport, you can look at it and go, okay, January is the exposure phase, February is comprehension phase. And you can say, okay, fall sport, field hockey, soccer, you know, tennis, potentially for depending on the school or the state that you're in. But you can break down based off this page thirty three, you can start to look at it. All right, period, periodization phases based off the sport season. Now, what are the periodization phases? We've covered the exposure phase, right? So the exposure phase, high volume, general lifts, build up uh, strength, build up in endurance and sort of work capacity. I would say in, in this sense, GPP, but for us, we don't really use GPP. Okay, we're just doing very general strength training movements, high high reps and sets. So, technical coordination exercises might look like let's say a power clean something very simple okay so then we're going to get into um something very simple like a power clean they might do four sets of four um that's going to be technical coordination so we'll go over those exercise types and the phase and then we'll get into the other phases okay so the phase is exposure phase Absolute strength exercises. So absolute strength movements. This is going to train sustained impulse. Okay. This is going to help uh, improve their their force output. This could also train the power 15 plus. Okay. So now we're going to get into um, something like a back squat, something simple during the exposure phase. Okay. And then we might get into, um, let's say, uh, reflexive movements or plyometrics or um, just some general hypertrophy exercises. So a hypertrophy exercises might be lat pull down, um, plyometric exercise in the exposure phase might just be a simple box jump. Um, let's say a reflexive series might be something very, very simple, like a dumbbell snatch to a box. Okay. And, and what I would say here is, is that the exercise types technical coordination, absolute strength, reflexive work or or the the skilled strength umbrella, hypertrophy movements. We go really really deep into that in the in the sports performance bible. But those are all the exercises now that you have to choose from that you would lay out in those phases. So going back to it, the exposure phase would be high volume. You're doing a lot of reps, a lot of, you know, not Not a lot of sets, but something for us would be like five sets of nine, or we might do like three sets of seven, two sets of 12 on absolute strength movements. On hypertrophy movements, we might do like four sets of 17 to 25, okay? Then we're going to get into the comprehension phase, okay? Comprehension phase is where we're going to start to whittle away and start to focus more on um, the actual getting a little bit more complicated, So instead of doing just a power clean, we might do a power clean and a full clean. So we might do a complex. Instead of just a back squat, we might do a pause back squat into a rapid back squat. Instead of doing um, banded good mornings, we might do something more complex with a heavier load like reverse hypers. Okay, so that would be the example of uh, the exercise days that we're sort of, or the exercises that we're sort of breaking down. But we need to look back and say, okay, if we are training in that power 15 plus, and we're also doing a little bit of you know power endurance, what types of reps and sets are we doing in the comprehension phase based off that period that will improve this athlete that's in this specific sport? Okay, whatever that would be, football, whatever. So then we, then we work into from exposure phase, then we get into the comprehension phase, and from the comprehension phase, then we're getting into the ascension phase. In the ascension phase, we're going to cut down the volume and we're going to start to be a little bit more intense with our lifting. Now that power clean, which turned into a power clean, full clean, is going to turn into a one box clean. So now we're starting to get into a variation. And that one box clean, if we're talking about, let's say, a wrestler or a football player, is we're going to start to get pretty heavy with it. Now that using that same example, that absolute strength exercise might turn into a single leg squat where we're doing instead of a back squat or a pause back squat we're going to do a single leg squat uh, and we're going to do four doubles uh, and then two sets of five unbroken and then after we do that because we're in the ascension phase we're going to start to transition to some more uh, skill work so skilled strength exercises like um, let's say a skater squat into a hip lock hold Uh, And we're going to superset that with the hypertrophy exercise for our hamstrings because we're sprinters and we're trying to improve our our hamstring strength. So we might do like Nordic curls. Okay. So that would be what we're doing inside of the the ascension phase. Then we're going to get into the summit phase. The summit phase is where we're going to really start to get closer and closer and closer to our big peak. Okay. So that's where things are going to really start to dial in with the exercise variations. And so the technical coordination movements are going to start to be very, very precise. We're going to start to lift a lot heavier. So instead of doing, let's say four sets of four, like we did in the exposure phase in the summit phase, we might do eight singles. Okay. We might do 10 singles. Then we're going to do technical coordination movements, like even more single leg squats that are faster, or we might go really heavy to a heavy double and then drop down and do again, two sets of five. So the, the sets are starting to increase. The reps are starting to decrease. It's sort of flopping, flip-flopping from what we did in the exposure and the comprehension phase. Okay, so in the, in the ascension and the summit phase, we're going to start to really go heavy. And our variations and our strength exercises that we're choosing from are going to start to be much more transferable. They're going to have a higher uh, transfer of training to the specific sport that we're, that we're working towards. Okay. And now all of this stuff has to be understood through a full week of training. And then we're going to lead into the the ultimate uh, peak at the end. But when we're looking at a full week of training, we lay that full week of training out with day one would be a leg power day. Okay. Day two would be an upper body power day. Day three would be athlete day. Day four would be an impulse day. Day five would be hypertrophy day. So day five, we're going to do a lot of volume, trying to get as big as we can. And we're typically going to cut that during the summit phase and the ascension phase. Impulse day, that's day four. We're always focusing on moving heavyweights fast. Day three, we're trying to be as fast as possible. So that's plyometrics. That's speed work. That's doing very precise movements that will transfer directly to the sport if not doing some of the skilled work for that specific sport moving backwards now upper body power day that's going to be set up where we're opening up that upper body power day with a technical coordination movement following it with an absolute strength exercise and then getting into some hypertrophy or reflexive movements depending upon the the time of year okay so then and then going all the way back to the exposure phase now i think what's interesting here now is that as you work through all those phases, right? And as you're getting through, uh, we start with the exposure phase and then you get into, then you get into the ascension phase, uh, or shoot, we start with the exposure phase and you get into comprehension phase, then you get into the ascension phase and then you get into the summit phase. And then when you finish with the summit phase, now we're into the realization phase. So this is where we're gonna see volume drop. Intensity is still gonna be higher and the variations are going to be pretty complex, but so what we're looking at then is basically a deload. Okay, so basically w- during the realization phase, we want to be able to have the athlete do specific movements that have a direct transfer to their sport. Uh, so in this case, let's say I want to use a, a in in the book actually we have a picture of Sam Mattis here, and this is the year that he won the national title. In uh, discus throw, 2019, and so, you know, for Sam to peak really well during the realization phase, we might do a behind-the-neck jerk for three singles, and then we might do pad bench for three sets of five, very very fast, and then he might do like one or two sets of thoracic uh, rotation work just to help his upper back, and that might be an example of a day of what we're doing on upper body power day. On a leg power day during the realization phase. He might do a power snatch followed by a jump squat with, you know, 60 kilos, and then some type of back work or knee work just to make sure that he feels decent during that realization phase for a peak. Okay, so that realization phase, what what ends up happening is we start to look at a real simple way, a real simple hack, to use exercises that are very, very specific to the sport, but we basically cut all volume. Uh, So we're only doing two to four sets. We've spent the last 14 or 16 weeks through these four phases of the exposure phase, the comprehension phase, the ascension phase, the summit phase. So we spent those 16 weeks building that athlete, understanding the strength characteristics that we identified earlier based off of their sport, are they a field sport, combat sport, um, you know, classic endurance athlete, breaking that down. And then that's where they're leading into that ultimate peak during the, uh, during the realization phase. And so the main purpose of, you know, garage strength periodization or program design is really just going to be breaking down, um, everything like whittling everything down from knowing the big picture are they doing an open skilled or a closed skilled sport okay uh then coming back and then saying all right what are the strength characteristics then coming even further what type of athlete am i dealing with then going even further what sport are they training for how can we lump that down and then going even further how can i test them now we test them okay now we know the dates that they have to peak well we have to work backwards now we set the f- the phases our exposure comprehension ascension, summit and then we can really break that down. Okay, now we have they can train if an athlete can train 4 days a week. Okay. Leg day 1, upper day 2, day 3 athlete day, day 4 impulse day. And then we break that down even further into all right, what type of or what type of exercises are we going to be using on a regular basis? And then you take those exercises and you have to make sure that you're applying the right reps and sets to those specific exercises and those, in those specific rep schemes. So I think it's, it's sort of an interesting, uh, layout. And, and even inside the book here, we have a whole chapter that's just based off of what is that sport type? Uh, what is the sport type? And then how, you, how can you use that, um, And then what are the exercises that can be used from each phase based off the sport type so you can sort of pull and plug to make a really, really uh, cohesive program. And I'm just flipping through here now because it's it's pretty interesting. It's like uh, I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you, and I feel like it's going to be really challenging to follow um, without the book. But when you start to break it down with the book and with everything that we cover inside the book, laying out you know the the phases and laying out the uh, the strength qualities that we need to build towards, and even laying out the testing and then analyzing the 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 realm of uh, where they need to be peaking towards and all that stuff, it it really makes things a lot easier to have sort of buckets along the way that you can. Uh, sort of like check off the box and say, all right, we're making this progress. Um, But it all comes back to what I think as the main thing for a coach is having your plan laid out, having your plan prepared, uh, and that's what we want to help you with with this Garage Strength Program design, is having this prepared so that then you can communicate to the athletes accordingly if you know what type of athlete you're dealing with, if you can identify that they're a Zen or a social athlete or an exuberant athlete, you can take them through each and every phase so that when you get to that point of realization, you get to that realization period. It's like, I, I like to think about it this way. The exposure phase is just getting the athlete like on the, on the ground. We got to start training. We got a long journey ahead of us. Let's go. It's the honeymoon period. Okay. After they get out of the honeymoon period, they're going to enter into the comprehension phase. Now, man, this is going to be really challenging. I don't know if I want to quit or not. This is really hard. I don't know if I can do this. So now they've got to get through and comprehend that there's a lot of work to do. And the only way they're going to achieve their dreams is if they do the work. That's it. So a lot of kids might flop out after four to five weeks. But you get them through that comprehension phase. Now they're in the grinding period, and then they get to the ascension phase. It's like, all right, now your hard work's starting to pay off. Now you can start to decrease the volume and increase the intensity in the weight room. That's great feedback for kids to keep coming into the gym. They want to keep training. They want to keep working hard. They start to hit PRs. They start to get bigger. They start to get stronger. They start to get more explosive during the ascension phase. And then that takes them. They're starting to ascend that mountain. Then they get into the summit phase. Now they're about to achieve that. That summit, they're about to get to the top of the mountain, and then at the end of the summit phase, they they're on top of the mountain, and they've done it, they've done it. And then all of a sudden, that deload period, that big deload period, is at the end of the summit period, and that leads us into the realization phase. Now we're in the realization phase. You're on standing on top of Mount Everest. You're looking out. And you're like, I did it. I accomplished this. I achieved my dreams. I achieved my goals. And you just take the athlete through this step by step by step by step process understanding that there's going to be a lot of things along the way that you have to hold their hand. You have to communicate. You have to be positive. You have to tell them uh, confidently that you have everything sort of laid out uh, for them to really be able to, to achieve that greatness that they want to achieve. And so that's sort of the essence behind garage strength program design, but it really begins one with the coach learning the system and, and where they can plug athletes in but two analyzing the athletes analyzing the sports that they're in understanding who that athlete is as an individual and then piecing all those different puzzle pieces together to create that that tremendous champion position uh, at the top of the podium during the realizations during the realization phase and i think the realization phase too just as a quick recap is it's a really specific deload based off of what that athlete needs. Sam Mattis needs a three-week deload because he's a total freak. Haley doesn't really even like – Haley Reichert doesn't really like deloads at all because she just wants to do work all the time. And that's another thing is that genders can play a role in what type of deload that you need, but we've got to set that system in place so that then as you piece athletes into it, you can learn from them and you can continue to build – uh, everything on top of what you've learned from that, from what you've implemented and what you've learned from their data and from their reactions. And so that's the biggest thing around garage strength program design is learning from the athletes, helping to develop them over those time frames so that they can achieve all the goals that you want, all the goals that they, that they want. Um, and to sort of go back to, I, I, I I'm looking back and I'm like to go back to the beginning of garage strength. It's like that stuff was just in the works. It took, it took me a decade to figure that out. It took me a decade to really start to understand um, program design and training and, and being cohesive with my athletes and laying those expectations properly. Uh, and that's essentially, you know, you've got 10 years plus. This is going to expedite your career possibly by 10 years if you implement everything as effectively as possible. So. Head over to garage com. You can pick up the garage Rank program design parabolic periodization for sports. And, and you can use this to help implement everything. It's got a five hour course and lecture where I go through five hours of, of content where I break everything down and we've even got Q and A's with a live audience. So it helps you uh, figure out exactly what you guys want and what you guys need. If when you're watching those five hours, um, it was some. it was something it was crazy to put all that stuff together it was a lot of fun a lot of effort and a lot of learning so thanks for listening to today's podcast at masters of sport again this podcast is brought to you by Peak strength and the garage strength equipment portion of garage strength head over to garage strength.com until next time guys peace.